0: Hey everybody, it's Lon Seibin. It's time once again for your weekly wrap-up, and we've got a bunch of stuff to talk about today, including the analog Mega SG shipping early. We'll talk about Apple fighting Spotify or Spotify fighting Apple over platform monopolies the History of the Future giveaway. It's a great book by Blake Harris on virtual reality. I'm going to be giving away a copy of this great book for all of you, so details on that coming up. And we're also going to look at criticism in the digital age about how to properly receive criticism and also perhaps how to provide criticism. We'll look at that in a little bit. Uh, We're also going to talk about the many VPN options that are out there for people these days. We covered one of those on a video uh, last week, but I think there are more to talk about. And Android tablet and TV device stagnation. I got in the uh, new developer kit for the Android TV platform, and I wanted to talk a little bit about what I am observing with this and other Android devices. Lots to talk about now, so let's get to it. Now, before we begin, I want to thank our newest supporters on the channel, including Robert Hausmann and Darun Albain, who contributed via our super chat. I want to thank both of them for their contributions this week, along with everyone who's been contributing on an ongoing basis and all of you who watch on a regular basis, too, because all of those things equal channel growth. So let's take a look at the week in review. I got a bunch of stuff up on the extras channel this week, including two mini-reviews, a mechanical number pad, along with an iPhone and Apple Watch charger. And then we have some unboxings, including the Android ADT2 developer kit and the Lenovo P10 that we reviewed last week. And on the main channel, we had three different items uploaded. The first was something you were all excited to hear about last week when I asked about it on the wrap-up, so I delivered this to you. Uh, This was how to set up a VPN server on a Raspberry Pi. It was very, very easy to do, and we'll talk a little bit more about what other options are out there in a few minutes. Uh, We also looked at that Lenovo P10 tablet that comes with a docking station that turns it into an Amazon Echo device but it's an Android tablet when it's not docked. And we also looked at a new NDI video capture device called the Bird Dog Mini. Uh, This uses less compression in its video for bringing in stuff to your productions, whether it's a TriCaster or OBS or some other NDI-supported device. And I just love NDI, so the more opportunities I get to play with uh, more equipment, I am always eager to do it. And this was a device that I bought for a specific purpose here on the channel. And it worked out pretty well, and you can see my full review linked down below in the master playlist. And now it's time for some things in the news that caught my eye, and of course this was something that was exciting to me. Uh, The Mega SG, which is analog Sega Genesis console, is shipping a little bit earlier. It wasn't supposed to arrive until April at some point, but it looks like March 25th is the big shipping date, and Metal Jesus Rock's got his already, which I am insanely jealous about. Uh, So hopefully mine will be here soon and we'll have a review up as soon as I am able to get one and review it. I did pre-order mine a few months ago. What I'm excited about with this device is that Analog has had really a great track record so far in replicating retro consoles for HD televisions. They use FPGA chips, very similar to what we've seen on the Mr. Project we've been doing some live streams about where you can replicate the hardware uh, with hardware as opposed to having a software emulator, which means the latency is not as bad on these. In fact, there's pretty much no latency beyond what your display introduces, and it also allows you to integrate... Uh, some of the hardware that was used with the original consoles. As you can see here in the Metal Jesus Rocks photo, they've got the original Sega Genesis controller connectors. So you can use one of those 8-bit Doe controllers with a wireless adapter, or you can just plug in your original Sega controllers if you want. But the really cool thing is that it also works with the Sega CD, They have a connector on it just like the original console had, and you can slide it right into a Sega CD because they have replicated the entire hardware inside of that FPGA chip. So I'm very eager to try it out and see how it works, and as soon as I get mine, uh, we'll get a review going, and hopefully it will be of interest to all of you because I'm a big Sega Genesis fan. And last week, Spotify filed a complaint with the European Commission against Apple alleging that Apple is engaging in anti-competitive behavior in their app store, uh, their main gripe is that if someone were to subscribe to Spotify through the app directly on an iOS device, whether it's an iPhone or an iPad, uh, they have to pay Apple a 30% cut of that subscription every month. After a year, it becomes a 15% commission And they're saying that's anti-competitive because Apple, who's selling their app and services through the same platform, doesn't have to pay themselves that 15 or 30 percent cut for people who subscribe directly through their platform. Uh, Apple responded very aggressively to this uh, with the following statement. They said, let's be clear about what that means. Apple connects Spotify to our users. We provide the platform by which users download and update their app. Uh, Apple says that they've had over 300 million Spotify downloads to date. Uh, We share critical software development tools to support Spotify's app building. And we built a secure payment system, No Small Undertaking, which allows users to have faith in in in-app transactions. Spotify is asking to keep all of those benefits while also retaining 100% of the revenue. Now, Apple has a point here in that Spotify likely does benefit tremendously from making use of all of the free stuff that Apple provided them to get their app distributed. Uh, Because remember, Spotify is a free app until you want to upgrade to a more premium version of it. However, one thing that Apple doesn't cover in their response is the fact that Apple's iTunes service is not going to be subject to the 30% subscription commission that Spotify would be subject to if Spotify users were buying through their phones and that is a significant difference here in that uh, Spotify can't compete on price against Apple because Apple has a 30% advantage owning the pr- the platform in which they are distributing their subscriptions and that of course I think creates probably a good case here for Uh, an antitrust decision. The European Commission has already indicated in prior cases that they're not fond of big platforms like Google. They find Google a lot of money over how they were distributing the Android operating system, and I expect uh, that this is going to become quite a big case that will have implications probably going beyond just Apple, at least in Europe. I doubt it will Uh, get back here to the U.S. anytime soon, but it's possible something that happens there might embolden uh, Spotify and other companies to raise similar issues here in the United States because it is really unfair to some degree that if you're competing against Apple and Apple has the advantage of owning the platform in which they're selling the apps on, uh, this certainly can create a uh, anti-competitive situation. Google probably has similar policies related to how their apps are sold on the Google Play Store, too, there was a really good story on Planet Money that is worth listening to. It's only about 23 minutes or so long. And the folks at Planet Money went out to some experts in antitrust law and asked them about uh, this issue that, yes, you can have a marketplace, but if you're also competing on that marketplace and owning the marketplace, that gives you an advantage, doesn't it? And how does that play out uh, with antitrust law here in the U.S. and perhaps in other countries too? And it's a question that really has many answers, and that's one of the things that I liked about this story. So check it out at the link you see on screen, and we'll have to see what develops here. Uh, Spotify is a European company, too, which I think will give them a bit of an advantage here in this European court, and that's also why Apple responded so aggressively to it, which is something they don't typically do. And now it's time for a couple of things that are on my mind. And this is week 107 of me doing this as a full-time occupation. And I've got a bunch of stuff that's going to take me out of the office this week. So I'm shooting the wrap-up a day early. And I also got a head start on some content last week to run this week. Uh, So I think we'll be okay from a content perspective, but I've got a couple of meetings to go to. I'm working on some stuff on my local school board and I've got a dentist appointment that just takes me out of here. So hopefully we'll still have a good amount of content this week. You'll at least have two videos plus the wrap up and hopefully a third by the time I get through the week. Now I wanted to do a giveaway for this book that I got from Blake Harris, who's the author of Uh, Console Wars, first of all, but this is the book about VR that he just published called The History of the Future. It is an excellent read. I am just about done with it, and it details the rise of Oculus. Uh, Blake had exclusive access to the company while they were growing, and after they got acquired by Facebook... Uh, then eventually Facebook kicked him out of the office and he had to finish up the book by uh, interviewing the subjects of the story uh, after the fact. But it's a really great read and I am giving away a copy of it. I ended up with two copies, so uh, I'm going to offer one to all of you. You can enter at lon.tv slash enter. And we will announce the winner next week here on the wrap-up. And I hope to, at some point in the near future, get Blake on for an interview, because when he published Console Wars about four years ago, he was gracious enough to come on this channel when I was very, very tiny uh, to do an interview. And I hope to get him on again once his schedule permits to talk about VR and what he learned through following Oculus in its early days. So this is good stuff. Uh, Oculus might be releasing a pair of new headsets in the coming weeks at GDC as well. So we're slowly seeing VR develop into something. And it was kind of fun to uh, see just how blown away people were by it when they first started experiencing it. But it really hasn't captured consumers' minds just yet. Uh, But again, great story and well worth a read. Enter today and we'll announce the winner next week. And now it's time for a Q&A from you, the viewers, and I wanted to address this question that came in from One Man Show a little while back because it was relevant to a video I did just this past week. Uh, so One Man Show was responding to our coverage on The Verge and how uh, The Verge had taken down some videos that they uh, did not like. Uh, even though those videos were just being critical of some content that they had done. We did a lot on this over the last uh, month or so, Uh, so I'll put some links in the master playlist down below to those discussions. And one of the things One Man Show wanted me to comment on was my take on responding to criticism as a public figure, especially in the digital age. And he noted that I got some criticism a little while ago because in one of my videos covering a voice assistant, I didn't block out the hey, you know what, uh, when I was talking to a Google device and it was setting off a bunch of viewers' things and they were getting upset with me over it. And it was a valid piece of criticism. And I decided that in the future, I would do my best to block out the A word or the hey, you know what, uh, moving forward so that we didn't upset the viewership and lose viewers as a result. And that's actually been a very valid and valuable piece of criticism because in responding to that, um, people actually have been writing in saying they appreciated the extra amount of effort that went into blocking the A word on the video and that uh, improved their image of the channel as a result. So that was an example of people offering some constructive criticism, some more constructive than others, uh, that led itself to an improvement that I think benefited everybody else. And that's uh, some, some ways in how I deal with criticism. One of the challenges I have is that um, it, it is... it's hard to take being human out of the mix when people are criticizing you all the time. I am fortunate that my channel is still kind of small. So uh, the trolls are a small percentage of any channel, but in my case, they're a smaller percentage numerically than they might be if I was a larger channel. So I've been uh, very fortunate, I guess, to some degree, not being huge just yet, but at some point more trolls will come and uh, offer that continual criticism. And the way I look at it is there's valid criticism and then there's trolling. And Uh, What you have to look at is the impact that the criticism has. Are people who are fans of the channel on a regular basis, who often contribute good ideas to the channel, are they agreeing with that criticism? Is that something that I should be concerned about? Uh, You also look at how the criticism is presented. If somebody calls me a effing a-hole for uh, doing or saying something they don't like, then that doesn't have as much weight with me as uh, someone who offers a very reasoned critique of something that I did. I also take a look at overall viewership and the thumbs up and the thumbs down and determining how many people might share this opinion when I'm trying to decide uh, how to respond to some criticism that I'm getting on the channel. And those are all things that I keep in the back of my mind. Uh, One thing many of you may not know is that I am an elected official in my uh, small town here. I've been on the Board of Education for the last 16 years, and I've been chairman of that board for about the last 10 or 12 now. Uh, And so I'm used to getting a lot of criticism in the course of what I do, and it's important, I think, to make sure that your mind is always open to being challenged. Uh, Sometimes you might be right, and it's good to be able to do the research to go in and address the critiques and criticisms that you're getting with hard factual evidence as to why your position is the right one. I have found that I do better work when people are critical of something that I am suggesting, whether it's here on the channel or out in my other activities. And I found that as much as it's not nice to be criticized, it often makes your argument stronger uh, if you have people who are challenging that idea. And I think one of the issues that I'm seeing just out in the world right now is that everybody thinks they are right, uh, even though they may not always be right. And that's one of the problems I think we as a global society are dealing with right now is that uh, people are, uh, haven't yet developed a skill set to allow people to be critical of their ideas. And rather than just dismissing somebody just because they disagree with you, it's sometimes important to hear them out and listen to what they have to say. And I found over time that uh, you can develop good relationships with people who have a very different mm-hmm. worldview than you have, because if you can give them uh, the, the courtesy and the respect of understanding and listening to what their position is, sometimes it actually changes how you approach an issue. It might not change me 180 degrees, but it might uh, change things maybe five or 10 degrees in a direction that puts that idea and that plan in a better place. And that's always been the approach that I have taken to things. And I, of course, have not been perfect in the reception of criticism from time to time. Perhaps I may have come off as a little terse every once in a while in a response that I made on the comment thread. And sometimes meaning is hard to portray through uh, just straight up text like that. So yeah, I'm going to mess up. I'm going to not practice what I am preaching here from time to time. And I think that's only human, as I mentioned, and it's just something that occurs. But I do really try to keep an open mind. And I think as the channel grows, uh, this will become more challenging because as you get larger, the number of trolls, even if they're still a small percentage of subscribers and commenters, will increase. And that is why it's also important to understand how to interpret the data that the social media platforms kick back to you Uh, So, for example, in the case of YouTube, you've got your thumbs up versus thumbs down. I often get so many more thumbs up and thumbs down in the aggregate versus the comments that come in. It's a lot easier to click a thumbs up button than it is to actually write out a comment. So that's something to look at. But also the viewer retention. Are you losing viewers at the point that you're saying something that perhaps a small number of people are reacting negatively to? Uh, If you are not seeing a huge drop-off, if you're seeing your views uh, stay the same or perhaps increase on that video, then perhaps you're not going in the wrong direction. But it's important just to kind of compile all this information together and really look at it objectively and not let a few really nasty negative comments uh, deter you from actually the positive direction that uh, most people interpret from your content. And that is something to also uh, keep in mind as you are growing a channel. Uh, But again, Every time you get good, constructive, and valid criticism, even if you disagree with it, I think it's important to give the people who are spending the time to offer that criticism to you uh, the courtesy and respect to read it and digest it. You don't always have to respond to it, but I think it's important to uh, separate out people who are really trying to help you do better uh, as opposed to people who just want to see you fail. And there's a very big distinction there uh, between positive and negative types of criticism. Now, the biggest amount of criticism and critiques I get is over my backdrop here. I have people that often write in to say this uh, setting that I've got looks ancient. It needs to change. You gotta look more like everybody else. And then for every time I get one of these comments, I get another group of comments that says the opposite. Love the background, don't change it. So it's a very big struggle that I have, to be honest with you, is to how to figure out and interpret what people are asking about here. Part of me, at least my gut is, is that, I could make my channel look like everybody else's, but that would be less unique. And I think this is a unique look. Yes, it does kind of look like it's the 90s here, given the video quality and the backdrop and the lighting. And that's where this comment, I thought, really started to give me something to think about here. Uh, AstroVlog said, uh, it looks like it's from 10 years ago. Then he saw the Apple Watch and it's not because of the background, it's because of the color. So maybe we keep the background and maybe adjust the lighting a little bit to get things better. Uh, What you see on screen insofar as how things look is about the best that I can do with my skill set when it comes to set design. I'm good at running the technology. I'm not so good at the aesthetics. So I may start playing around with the lighting a little bit. I did take a uh, lighting course at the YouTube space last year to start experimenting with a few different ideas Uh, But one of the problems that I run into is that uh, I like to come down here and just turn on a button and get everything going to record. And if I have to spend a lot of time adjusting and futzing around with stuff, I'm going to get frustrated and just go right back to where I was before. So I'm going to get there on the look and feel of the channel here. I'm definitely hearing that people feel this look is a little stale and a little bit old. Uh, But I actually like the vintage technology. And what's funny is that, you know, I've been really finding my niche with people who are around my age. Not to say again that uh, younger people are not allowed to watch this channel. I value their input too, but a bulk of my viewers are around my age. And I think when you have these objects that many people who are into technology had as kids, it actually is something that is a net positive for the channel. And again, looking at all my analytics and my numbers, I see that things are still growing and I'm pretty happy with that. Uh, and especially given how well I do on search optimization and whatnot, too. So that's another reason why I've been reluctant to make a dramatic change, but I might uh, mess around with it a little bit. So my Q&A for you this week is, what do you think of the background, and should we do any adjustments to it? And if so, what would you suggest? Now, these next two questions come in in response to our review of that Lenovo P10 tablet. Uh, which, of course, is an Android tablet, and those are becoming kind of a a rare species out there. We're not seeing a lot of manufacturers making a big investment into Android tablet devices. We're seeing a lot of phones, of course, but the tablets are few and far between. Uh, Google famously took tablets off of their store. Uh, They did replace it with that Chromebook 2-in-1 that we looked at that wasn't very good, but it's just giving you an idea as to uh, where everybody is on Android tablets these days. Uh, the highest performing one I could find for Android tablets is the Galaxy Tab S4, uh, which is running behind the Apple iPads in performance, but is uh, holding its own to some degree. But these cost you know, several hundred dollars. And a few years ago, NVIDIA came out with their NVIDIA Shield K1 tablet. Uh, it was a really nice tablet. They don't make it anymore, unfortunately, but that one is much more powerful than many of the tablets that come in at that Nvidia Shield price point. That Shield tablet cost 200 bucks two or three years ago when it came out, maybe four years ago now. Uh, The Lenovo P10, which we just reviewed, uh, I would say probably costs about the same if you factor uh, the dock out of the equation and you're looking at a significantly lower speed in graphical performance on the 3 d Mark Slingshot test as you can see here. Uh, So it really is funny just how these Android tablets have gone backwards in performance because consumers aren't demanding more. Uh, Amazon, which I think is number two or three in market share, uh, Apple is number one, and I think uh, Amazon and Samsung often swap back and forth for uh, second and third place. Their Fire HD tablet comes in even slower than the Lenovo does, but again, it's good enough for most consumers. And I think what's happened here is that there's nothing driving tablet performance faster. I would say part of the problem is the fact that these app stores are giving away apps for free or are charging so little for them that it's hard for developers really to push this hardware any further. Uh, That was one of my complaints with the new iPad 11 review is that there's really nothing to take advantage of all of this horsepower Uh, that Apple is building into these devices, which is why I believe Apple will have an ARM-based MacBook at some point in the near future, because I think that might make better use of their hardware investment. Consumers just don't want any more than what they've got. And as a result, we've seen these tablets go backwards in performance, Uh, yet costs the same. When does that ever happen in the technology world? It's kind of crazy, isn't it? And I am seeing the same thing happening now with Android TV. So let's roll the clock back to like 2014, 2013, uh, when we had a bunch of these attempts to bring Android to the television. It started off with the Ouya, which you can see in the upper left-hand corner there. Uh, They had their own app store. In fact, they developed a TV interface ahead of android's own official tv interface it was a kind of a neat system that uh, just didn't work out consumers didn't want to buy a cheap android box they'd prefer to spend a little bit more on an xbox one or a playstation so it fizzled out uh, there was also the mad cats mojo which had a faster processor than the ouya and i think they extended the ouya store to the mad cats that one fizzled out pretty quick too And that was followed by the more powerful Razer Forge, which also didn't do very well. So all three of these attempts to bring a powerful Android box to the living room failed. Uh, The one that did okay was the NVIDIA Shield, uh, partly because it has a big company like NVIDIA behind it to really push its development out there and maybe take a hit on it uh, as it was getting itself out into the market. It's still the most powerful TV box that's out there, and it's running with the same exact processor as it was running with four years ago. Incidentally, it's also the same processor in the Nintendo Switch, and I'm sure uh, if NVIDIA would tell us, they would say that the Switch has been the best platform for that uh, chip versus the NVIDIA Shield platform. In fact, uh, they were trying to make the Shield into what those other failed consoles were, Uh, but even with custom software for the Shield that took advantage of its processor, it didn't move units, and now NVIDIA is looking at uh, the Shield as kind of an endpoint for game streaming from remote servers. Uh, So I think if there is going to be a Shield update, we probably won't see one running as powerfully as this one, or if there is an update, it will be another aesthetic change versus something more powerful, because there's just nothing out there that... Uh, is driving any demand for faster TV devices. And we're seeing this now uh, with the ADT2 developer kit. Uh, I got one in uh, from a viewer named Robert who let me borrow his, and I was going to do a whole video on it but to be honest with you, this thing is exactly the same as the Mi Box and the Jetstream Box that we looked at and a few of those generic Chinese boxes we looked at also. It's got the S905X processor. It's slower than the Shield. It is slower than the uh, the Nexus player that uh, Google released a number of years ago, their last reference device. Clearly, this is the new reference here, which is lower-powered hardware that is good enough to drive a 4K display at 60 hertz with HDR. They're not looking at this as a high-performing gaming device. Uh, It is a dongle, but again, it's the same performance as what you'll see out of a Mi Box. Uh, The operating system isn't changed all that much in uh, Android 9 Pie. It has a few uh, aesthetic changes here or there, but really nothing that uh, strikes me as something that we should get excited about. The remote is largely the same too, wherever I put it, here it is. Uh, So there's just nothing here that suggests to me that there's an interest by uh, Google in really pushing the hardware here to compete with larger game consoles. There is the rumor that they've got some game device on the horizon, but given how poorly these have done before, why would they jump into the market with something that uh, just doesn't seem to be working? If NVIDIA can't get it to work with some super high-end stuff, what makes Google think they're going to be any different unless they do perhaps some kind of streaming solution like uh, NVIDIA is looking to do. And of course, you can do game streaming on a device like this. So we're going to see, I think, a stagnation across the board with Android, Android TV, uh, and certainly, these tablet devices, too, because there 's just nothing driving people to buy these things they 'd much rather sink their money into a game console and If you look at the switch, which is essentially an Nvidia Shield, people are more than willing to pay sixty bucks for a game on that, but not the same price on something coming out of the Google Play Store. Just expectations of consumers are very different, and it 's all about what brand is marketing your device and what they 're selling it as. And clearly, an all-in-one streamer is not the uh, desire of consumers these days. And that is why we're not going to see any impressive Android TV hardware on the horizon. And this next set of questions is a follow-up on our VPN video we did the other day. Uh, Both Vladislav here and Jeremy point out that many routers have VPN features built into them now, and they do. Uh, but a lot of times people might be getting their router from their cable company or their phone company and they may be lacking those features and the other reason why i wanted to do a vpn video running on the raspberry pi is that it's something that will be the same for everybody who tries it And it's a great way to learn about some of the concepts of a VPN, especially open VPN in a way that was demonstrable, because I could show you how to set up a VPN on my Synology router, but every router is implementing uh, some of these VPN features differently. So that was why I went out and did it this way. And so if you're looking to set up a VPN or learn about it, I think the Raspberry Pi is a great way to start. And if your router has it built in, uh, great, give that a shot too, because you'll have very similar results. And for my pick of the week this week, we're going to be looking at a video that Leonard French put up on his channel the other day. Now, if you recall, about three weeks ago, we were talking about how the H3H3 copyright case was relevant to the Verge discussion we had related to their copyright takedowns. And I also mentioned about how influential that case will likely become, the H3H3 case, because it's one of the few pieces of actual legal precedent with a decision by a judge that is out there And sure enough, Leonard French, the copyright attorney, has found a number of examples where that case is being used already uh, in other lawsuits. So this is going to be a very important piece of legal precedence. And uh, Leonard talks a little bit about that on his show, which you can find linked down there on screen. So this week on the channel, we've got a couple of things planned. I already shot this. We got in the 15-inch Yoga C630 Chromebook. I love my Chromebooks, and this is a nice big one, so we'll talk about that one and what it can and can't do. We'll also look and see if there's been any improvements to the Linux functionality on Chrome OS as well, because that one's powered by an Intel chip. Uh, We also are going to have a replay of a live stream that I did the other day, uh, experimenting with a few things with the Mr., And I thank everyone who tuned in. We did have some technical issues for the first 45 minutes or so. Uh, The video will start actually after I resolve those issues. And what we'll be looking at in this Mr. Video is setting up uh, some of the automatic updates. We're going to look at the uh, scaler features and some of the filters that you can install. We're also going to install some arcade cores, which have a few more steps to them versus the computer and console cores. Uh, So you'll see all of that. Uh, in the video that we'll have up a little bit later and it's been really fun doing live streams with this device because it is such a tinkering kind of thing and people enjoy watching that so if you want to see more of the mister let me know what you would like to see and i'll try to do some more follow-ups on that and i also want to get smoke monster on soon for an interview to talk more about this fpga technology because i think it's going to be the next uh, big thing in the emulation community if it's not already I'm also hoping to get to that Dell monitor I referred to last week. It just didn't make the uh, cut last week insofar as time, uh, but I hope to get to it this week, so stay tuned for that. We haven't done a monitor review in a while. If you want to support the channel, you can. You can go to lawntv support and make a monthly or a one-time contribution to the channel. We also have my other channels you can check me out on, including my extras channel for supplementary content and unboxings. We have my podcast, which is an audio version of this show, We have the snippets, which are search-friendly versions of all the topics we cover here on this show. And then we have my live stream archive at lan.tv slash live streams, where you can see all the previous live content we've done. I've probably got like 20 or 30 hours up there at this point, so you can just kind of let it run uh, and watch all of my previous live streams over the years. If you like what I do, you can click on the bell to be notified every time we do go live or do anything else here on the channel. That's a helpful thing to do. And we have other ways to engage with the channel, including my email list at lawn.tv/email. We have my Facebook page at lawn.tv/facebook. We have my Facebook group at lawn.tv/facebook group, where we're well over 600 people now, which is great. So sign up and uh, chat with me and other viewers. And we have my store at lawn.tv/store, and I recently refreshed it onto a new platform, which offers uh, for me more flexibility in setting shipping rates and all that kind of stuff. And what I sell on the store are things that I've previously reviewed here on the channel and also starting this week I'm putting up some tag sale items because we are uh, doing a big purge of the house My wife didn't even watch that Netflix show that everybody's watching. She just said, we gotta get some junk out of this house. We've got a dumpster pulled up here to start throwing things out. I've got things left over from like two moves ago that we've just never gotten to because we have this huge basement, but we're really finally getting rid of everything. So uh, you'll be seeing a lot of odds and ends showing up on the tag sale portion uh, of the lawntv slash store. If you go to that link and it's not working, Uh, go to shop.lon.tv because you might be caching the old short URL for the other platforms. So uh, just do that and you will be brought to the right place. And if you want to get notified every time we add something to the store, you can sign up for an email alert here. And I will send out an email every time we throw something new up there for you to take a look at. I probably won't be doing that with the tag sale items because there's going to be a lot of them. But a lot of the review items I will certainly uh, notify you about as things go up. And that is going to do it for this week's weekly wrap-up. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll be back again later this week with more great stuff to look at. And we'll have another wrap-up, of course, next Monday. Until next time, this is Lon Sibin. Keep those thoughts coming, including your criticisms. Make them productive, though. And we'll keep going onward and upward through 2019. Lots more to see. And until next time, this is Lon Seidman. Thanks for watching. This channel is brought to you by the Lon.tv supporters, including Gold Level supporters Chris Allegretta, the Four Guys with Quarters podcast, Tom Albrecht, and Kalyan Kumar. If you want to help the channel, you can by contributing as little as a dollar a month. Head over to lon.tv slash support to learn more.